WLVR and PBS 39 are pleased to present a special event at the Philadelphia Flower Show on Wednesday, June 9th. Join me, Mike McGrath, host of You Bet Your Garden, and flower show designer Sam Lemhenny for a behind-the-scenes tour, followed by refreshments and talks by Sam and I. Tickets are limited. Visit wlvr.org flower show today. This event is made possible by Lehigh Valley Home and Garden Center. From the Kung Fu Fighting Studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another insect-identifying episode of chemical-free horticultural hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Is the Asian praying mantis a malevolent menace? Or is its Carolina cousin the real Bruce Lee of bugs? On today's show, we'll discuss the many manti you might find in your garden. Plus, it's another fabulous phone call show, Cats and Kittens. That's right. Potential guests are busy investigating egg cases. So we will take that heap and helping. Of your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and irrationally ironic intonations. So keep your eyes and our ears right here at True Believers, because we're going to learn you the difference between Europe, China, and South Carolina right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden comes from Coast of Maine, creating organically approved gardening soils and plant foods for over 25 years. Part of Coast of Maine's mission is to be the most trusted partner to professionals and homeowners who believe that authentic, natural, and organic garden and lawn products play a critical role in the health of our communities and the living planet we share. Learn more at coastofmaine.com. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. And before I tell you what's coming up, I gotta tell you I am so excited that we're getting close to the Philadelphia Flower Show. First time outdoors in FDR Park in South Philly, June 4th through, I think, the 13th. I don't know, but I know it opens on June 4th. So I hope you all have a chance to get there. Tickets are going to be limited because we're still in the COVID circle. So um, don't miss this chance to see the flower show outdoors. It's going to be absolutely fabulous. As is the question of the week, which took me five hours to write. Urgh! There is so much confusion about mantises in your garden. Is it Chinese? Is it native? Is it from Europe? I never heard anybody talk about the European mantis before. I tell you, I had to delve into a lot of conflicting research. But you'll get the benefit after your fabulous phone calls. 1-888-492-9444. Allie, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thank you for making it, Allie. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Okay. You? I'm just ducky. Thanks for asking. Uh, where is Allie well? Where do you live? Uh, I live in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Is that where you're calling from now? Right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm from home where I live. Oh, I love Montreal. I haven't been there in quite a while, but it's a uh, it's a fabulous city. It's beautiful. Yeah. 
All right, what can we do for Allie in Montreal? Well, it's um, our lawn. It's been slowly getting browner mm-hmm. in patches. Mm-hmm. And we thought it's just the normal, not enough water. Mm-hmm. But um, it's getting bigger, the patches. So someone, our neighbor said it might be ting bucks. So we did that test with the filling up the the can with water, and we did see those little tiny things floating okay. in that right. water let tank. Me, yes. Allie, let me stop you right there, because this is not a common problem, and I want to explain uh, to the people watching and listening. Um, I don't even know exactly how to pronounce the name of this pest. I know it's spelled C-H-I-N-C-H. So it's the chintz bug, yeah. the chintz bug, something like that. And it's a tiny little insect um, that can do a tremendous amount of damage to lawns. And the test that you refer to, you get, you get a big coffee can and cut off both ends and sink it in the ground and fill it with water, keep the water there, and they will float to the surface to try to not drown, right? Right, right. That's what we did, yeah. Okay. Now, but Allie, I'm confused here because you're in Montreal. This pest, I I mean, this pest is known to occur all over, but it's generally in uh, the warmer regions of the United States. Um, How did your neighbor even know about this thing? Yeah, well, because we couldn't figure out what what is killing the grass. It's not... um, Grubs. We had grubs before, so we Mm -hmm. we know, and we we did the the usual thing, you know, seed like uh, seed in the fall, and then just not doing do any seeding in the spring. I don't know because we don't water enough in the summer. We could have really hot uh, days Mm -hmm. when there's no rain. And it's not the whole lawn, but there's certain spots, and Good. it tends to be in the sunny part. Yes. Not yes. in the shady part. Correct. Yes, they do not like shade. They are sun lovers. So, um, who cuts your lawn? We do it ourselves. Okay. And how high is it when you're done cutting it? Uh, I don't do it. It's not too short. We try not to cut too short because here we're not allowed to water uh, before 8 p.m. Oh. Three times a week. Really? From 8 p.m. to 11. That's that's the bylaw. And if it's too hot and it's not enough rain, then there's some years when we're not allowed to water during the hot months. I didn't realize, I didn't realize that water was scarce in Montreal. It's not. It's just, it's just those Two months, July and August. Okay. It's just then. Yeah, well, those are the months that stress your your lawn the most. Um, right. And when did you say you're allowed to water? From 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Oh, man, that's that's nasty for your lawn, um, especially in the right. summertime. They want to be watered in the morning. Is, is anybody going to dime you out yeah. if you turn the sprinkler on in the morning? 
No, my neighbors would not. Um, and I've been known to water my backyard in the morning. Okay, good. So here... um, it's only they only give you a warning if they happen to drive by mm-hmm. the city um, people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, because unless you're in a water shortage situation, uh, this is ill-advised, especially the timing. I mean. I would be very cool if they said you could water from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., uh, but nighttime watering breeds um, disease. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out with a ruler and measure the height of your grass. If it is lower than yes. three inches, I want you to cut it higher. See, because just like you okay. explained, these are creatures that want it hot. Right and dry. And by mowing at the correct height, which for a cool season grass, I presume you have, is three to three and a half inches. That will shade the surface of the soil and make it less pleasant for them to live there. And and you say this is an isolated area, right? It's in the backyard. It's sort of patches here and there, but Mm -hmm. they seem to get bigger. There's one yeah. spot no, on they the will. side of the house when it got a lot of sun. Mm-hmm. It's completely dead. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but now that we have it, should I put any insecticides? For- Going to make two different suggestions. What kind of grass do you think you have? Uh, I don't know. I know it's Kentucky, I think, and I I really okay, don't good. Know, but I know it's good. the mix for corn. Okay. Yes. Excellent. Because if there's some Kentucky bluegrass in there. Um, the healthy part of the lawn will grow into that part once we take care of the problem. Now, the first answer I want to suggest is kind of oddball. But since you have this area of full sun in the backyard, would you want to put a vegetable garden there, a raised bed garden? Um, I do have flower garden and and vegetable garden already. Oh, okay. Um, this is... In the middle of the yard. Okay, well, I mean... Th- I guess I could. That seems like a perfect spot <laughs> to me, but um, anyway. The yeah. direct foe of these creatures would be beneficial nematodes. Um, if you have a really hip, independent garden center near you, they may carry them. Otherwise, yes. you mail order them. Uh, you know, find them on the internet. Okay. And you water them in okay. at dusk. Now, it'll be a very small package, but that small package is going to contain 50 to 100 million beneficial nematodes. So it's very Mm -hmm. low-tech. You put them in a watering can or a big bucket and apply them to the area where where the damage is in the early evening. Uh, They're very sensitive to heat and drought. So this is a case where you would water the area well up front, then water the beneficial nematodes in, and they will seek out and destroy all of the little cinch bugs that are in there. Um, Totally non-toxic, won't harm anything else. If you have some grubs hanging out, they'll eat them too. Uh, But that's your best answer. And I think you already know, you have to come up with a scheme to keep this area watered during dry times at the height of summer. But I also yeah. I also think that um, raising the cutting height on your mower is going to uh, be a tremendous help. 
Okay. And is is now the good time of the year to to get that nematode and, and yes. put it in? You couldn't ask for a okay. better time of year. Your timing is absolutely perfect. Um, this is when they travel well. Okay. This is when they multiply easy. Uh, they're not going to be drought stressed or heat stressed. They're going to wipe this colony out. Okay. And should I avoid rainy day or do it before the rainy day? Or um, um, Rain is good. Uh, rain is good. good. Water them in. Okay. Um, the wetter yeah. the soil and the more naturally warm the air. You know, say, you know, it's 60, 70 during the day. That's the perfect temperature to okay. get them um, invested in your soil. Okay. And and will they stay in my soil, or do I have to put new one in every year? Well, that's a darn good question. I'm not absolutely sure. You may have to do some of that research okay. on your own. Um, okay, sure. But they're fun yeah. to apply, and they're not that expensive anymore. They've become really a traditional remedy. Okay. All right? Okay, great. All right, yes. well, good thank luck. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really glad. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Gary, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thank you for making it, Gary. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Little, a little um, cracking up a little bit over <laughs> I have a question about corn gluten meal. Yes. And wondering, is there <clears throat> a certain temperature to be placing that down and um, then I also had a question about uh, grub halt. Is there a temperature involved with that also? Okay. All right. Let's start I'm with a, the corn I'm gluten a meal. Fused. I'm sorry. Yes, okay. you're corn fused. Good, good. I said I'm a little I, corn fused over yeah, this. Yeah, I do the <laughs> jokes here, Gary. <clears throat> okay. Let's, uh, where are you? I am Cinnamons in New Jersey. Oh, okay. I have relatives over there. I hate to tell you, but it is too late for the corn gluten meal. That should be applied okay. when the forsythia begin to bloom in your area. And I'm in a colder climate okay. slightly than you are, and my forsythia is almost done blooming. So you missed that window. Uh, but the, okay. the ways to tell are the blooming of the forsythia is a reliable way to tell. If you want to invest in a soil thermometer, it's when the soil temperature reaches 55 degrees as measured four inches down. You can also okay. follow the reports on the internet for your specific area, and they will tell you what the soil temperature is four inches down. So you can be right there next year. Okay. Um, the nice thing about corn gluten meal is it's always a good lawn fertilizer. If you haven't done anything to your lawn this spring and you have the quote CGM in hand, I would put it down now and not, not worry about it because, okay. you know, there's weeds sprouting all the time. Um, or if you right. want, save it for the fall and use it then. But don't feed your, your lawn with anything over the summer. Okay. Okay. So, well, th that was my other question. Is that a twice then, twice a year, uh, put it down when the forsythia starts and then towards the end of the season again? Yes and no. Yes and meal? no. The advice has changed since... Um, um, Ohio, not, not Ohio State, Iowa State, sorry guys, uh, developed corn gluten meal as a natural pre-emergent. I think what they're saying now is when you see the very first gr uh, gold on your forsythia, uh, put down okay. 
corn gluten meal. And then if you want to be really sure, follow that six weeks later with another application. Um, okay. But there is also a time in August, mid-August, when what I call the wintertime weeds will start germinating. And it's also the time, most important time, to feed a lawn if you're going to feed it. So my money would always be feeding it as soon as the forsythia bloom because the pre-emergent effect lasts for several weeks and do it again around the middle of August because that's when your lawn really wants the feeding to recover from summer heat stress. Now, okay. grub halt is a very new form of BT called BTG for Galleria. And what that does is when you put it down on your lawn right about now, because I haven't seen any Japanese beetles yet, uh, their stinky larval form, the grubs, will ingest the BT and die. But nothing else will be harmed. BT is very pest specific. So I would think this is the right time to put down grub halt, because, which is a, a Gardens Alive trade name for BTG. Um, but it's not something you see around in other places either. Uh, when the soil is warm enough, which it is right now, and I don't think we've been delayed too much, um, putting it down now, it'll get ingested by the grubs before they can emerge as armored adults. So I think, one, you missed the window. Two, you're right there. Okay, great. All right, man. That's very helpful. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate your, your help. And, uh it's wonderful. All right. All Thank right. you so much. It's great to speak with you. It's great to speak with you and say hi to my Aunt Leanie there in uh, Cinnaminson. I sure will. <laughs> okay, take, take care, care, man. Have a good day. You too. All right, bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind one and all that the fabulous Philadelphia Flower Show will be outdoors this year, specifically in South Philly's historic Roosevelt Park, June 5th through the 13th. But don't go looking for all the details at theflowershow.com just yet, because we'll be right back to take a close look at the many kinds of mantises and take more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in, where else? Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden. From the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up in just a little bit, Wow, did I learn a lot about the different types of mantises you might encounter in your garden. And I hope to learn you up to it, too. So stay tuned. But now it is time to bring on our very special guest, my old friend Sam Lemhenny, um, who last time I introduced him uh, was the designer of the Philadelphia Flower Show. But I just saw in an email from the show that Sam has a new title. He's like uh, Director of Spontaneous Combustion or something. What is it? Am I close? You're, you're close. It's the Chief of Shows and Events here at the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society. Let me set the stage here. The Philadelphia Flower Show has been, for probably 100 years, uh, the world's largest indoor 
flower show. When it first started out for the you know, first 87 or something, I'm not sure it was that big. But for quite a while, it's been the world's largest indoor flower show. And I will tell you, because you and I were working like mad at this previous flower show in the spring, and yep. we just got out under our chinny-chin-chin. <laughs> I mean, the world started shutting down as, you know, we were breaking down the exhibits. Yeah, Mike, I think we were we were probably one of the last, last major events that happened in this country before the country started shutting down. I, I think I was telling you that I, we literally watched the last truck leave on that Wednesday after the show closed down. And then by Friday, two days later, the, the whole country had basically gone into to shutdown mode. So and we've been back and forth here since then. And we were very lucky, as best I can tell. Um, we, we were not super spreaders or even like minor spreaders. Everything worked out really well. Luckily, that was that was great. We uh, were able to have the show. Our attendance was great in the beginning of the week. And obviously, as the news continued to to, to increase around the, the virus, uh, our attendance did try, slip a little bit towards the end of the week. Um, but uh, we still were able to pull it off and still have a really great show. Yes. And I want to remind people up front, one of the reasons I promote the Philadelphia Flower Show every year is I've essentially had a relationship with the show since I was eight years old, and my mother would drag me down to the Civic Center every year and walk me around until I couldn't find a feel my legs anymore. And then you would go home and have a year's worth of amazing memories. A premiere event, and one of the things my mother um, loved about the show was she could literally be standing next to Grace Kelly. Everybody from every walk of life was there. You had the main line. You had Frankfurt. You had Kensington. You had South Philly. You had South Jersey. It was one of the most inclusive shows in terms of the attendant. Everybody was equal once you walked in those doors. Well, and I think that's what plants do, Mike, right? Plants bring us all together, and they are the, the great equalizer because everybody can garden. Um, most people have gotten their hands dirty in the garden at some point in their life. If they're not gardening now, they should still go back out and get their hands dirty. Um, and it really is that great connector. And that's what this organization has been about since it's almost 200 year history is, is really connecting people with horticulture and really trying to improve their lives and, and their health um, with gardening. And one of the other things that could possibly even more important now is the revenues from the flower show are spent throughout the year making Philadelphia more of what William Penn envisioned for the whole state, these sylvan fields, these green spaces that I, I forget if it was Penn or someone else who laid out the city. We always had these green, quote, squares. We had Franklin Square. We had Washington Square. We had Logan Square, which later became Logan Circle. We have Rittenhouse right. Square, which is like right. going to Egyptian tombs. That thing hasn't <laughs> changed. And it's, it's also glorious. And it's like Central Park in New York, which, you know, they call the lungs of New right. York, this vast green space that was artificially created. But Philadelphia did the same thing, but there were more of them. Yeah, they were placed all over the city, and, and the Horticultural Society has really been a part of that from the beginning, 1820, 
1887 is when the Horticultural Society first started. Um, the flower show first started in 1829, but it really is about using horticulture to connect people to really promote horticulture as a as a driver for a lot of different things. And these days, we really focus in on our impacts of really creating healthier living environments. We want to put access to, to fresh food for everyone. Um, we want to use horticulture to grow economic impact and and that opportunity of using horticulture to, to create jobs, um, which the flower show does during a time when horticulture really isn't going on. We, we bring everybody to the convention center, right? Um, and then the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society, you know, it's all about that social connection with people that we just talked about earlier. And that's something really important that horticulture can do through all, especially in this day and age, Mike, you know, that, you know, there's been a lot of challenges that we've had in this country, but really horticulture can be that great connector and bringing people together uh, for a common goal. And, and helping everybody, you know, garden for the greater good. That's really what this this organization is about. And the Flower Show is the biggest fundraiser that we have for that. Um, and it's a great way for you to support that organization. And, and not only buying a Flower Show ticket, but you can become a member too as well um, and support us all year round and, and enjoy the great programming that we do all year round as well. I got my card in my wallet. <laughs> you know? All right, perfect. Uh, Get you a good discount at, the, at some of the shopping locations at the Flower Show too. Yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> I don't buy anything, Sam. I just wait till they're got their back turned. Um, <laughs> so we'll make sure that you have security detail around you just to protect you from that, I think. <laughs> exactly. So um, the Flower Show supports tree tenders, which is something yep. we don't talk about enough. But just the other day, now we're t I want to say we're taping this in December because everybody here is going to go for their long winter's nap pretty soon. Uh, but I just saw on, you know, when you're a member of PHS, the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society, you get all these emails. And I saw they were planting trees just the other day. Um, yep. And this is actually a pretty good time of year to plant trees, but they were going right. into one of my old neighborhoods, one of the old North Catholic neighborhoods at Levick Street or something. And yep. uh, it supports greenery, you know, the view as you drove to and from the airport, you know, the best thing you could see is the giant magnet lifting up rusted cars. And <laughs> and now you guys have done a good job of planting that. Um, yeah community gardens all over the city. I mean, last time I checked, Philadelphia had more community gardens per square mile than any other city in America. You know, there's over 250 neighborhoods, Mike, that we work with throughout the city and the region to to help. Um, really, like you said, tree tenders is a great thing. We just did our tree, big bare root tree distribution for a lot of the tree tenders in the area and, and focused in on planting trees. This is a great time to plant trees. It's get them in the ground and their root systems gets to take hold before they really start to, to, to you know, produce their leaves and their flowers in the springtime. So like you said, garden tenders, we have a huge network of of community gardens that we work with as well to encourage people to get outside and and use those spaces to grow food um, and and garden to to and also then connect with the with their neighbors in that in those community gardens too. So it's really a great uh, great piece and it's just just a few things that the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society does um, to improve everybody's life here in Philadelphia. Well, you have no idea how easy it makes my life. Um, to have community gardens that are spreading throughout the country. I don't, I don't even have to say the world. You know, England and Switzerland have had these things for <laughs> millennia. Um, right. 
But when somebody's in an apartment and they're desperate, they got no greenery. Maybe their grandparents had a farm or a big garden. And what can I do? Can I get a light bulb and a little herb and, you know, be pitiful? No. There's a community garden somewhere near where you live or work or hang out or something like that. Join that. Well, how do I learn how to garden? You join a community garden, you're going to learn how to garden. You've got the world's greatest experts tending, yeah, tending the plots around you. Absolutely. Your, your, your friends and your neighbors are already gardening there. Get involved, and, and they can teach you and help you every step of the way. And the horticultural, horticulturalists here at the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society are there. They'll help you. They'll you know provide some um, you know, different seedlings and, and things like that that you can use and, and get started. And, and it just on a small scale, even if you wanted to get started. And you know we always like to say one one plant. You're if you have one plant in your house, you're making a difference. And yeah. that once you once you keep something alive and you keep it growing and, and you can see the growth, that's really rewarding. And then that that eventually does get you outside and get your get your hands dirty and you can get gardening a little bit. Absolutely. One of the things I've hated about the pandemic is kids who used to go to a physical school now have their face in screens even more right. hours of the day. And please, I mean, there's never been a bigger need for not only school gardens, but, you know, forget the school year at this point. Just gardens where kids can be involved and learn this. Um, they will become the grandparents whose grandchildren will garden because they did. Absolutely. They'll keep it alive. And again, PHS supports all of this. So enough background, enough dialogue. <laughs> we got a big announcement. Some people may know this. Some people may be surprised. Right after the last flower show in the spring, you and I and, and you know, you and several thousand people sat down and went, oh, what are we going to do? Hey, nobody's going to want to go into the, you know, into the convention center. You, you know, my stupid idea, if you remember, was that we would take over Lincoln Financial Field and turn the field itself into a giant flower show once the weather got nice, because you right. got parking, you got concessions, you got the subway right there, and you shot me down on that, but you moved across the street. I mean, right. you know, you could walk there. So now yeah. we're going to be in Roosevelt Park. Yep, FDR Park is the new location for the show. And uh, it has a beautiful backdrop, has an amazing landscape, some great architecture there. Um, it is an Olmsted Brothers design park. So you talked about New York and Central Park. Uh, this park was designed by the Olmsted Brothers and uh, a really great treasure and an amazing location, very well used park. And we couldn't be more excited to be uh, that be the no the home for the 2021 flower show in June. So remember, it's new time frame too. Mike, we're moving it to, to the summer and right. early summer to June 5th through the 13th. And we're going to be outdoors. Uh, we feel like this show is going to be beautiful, lends itself to so many different things that we can we can do outside that we, we can't do on an indoor show. Time yes. out, time out, flag down, <laughs> five yards. There was nothing we couldn't do at the indoor show. You watched me do a lot of those things. And You're exactly right. That indoor show has been 
it, it is amazing to see what what horticulture, what what people when they put their mind to it can actually do yeah. um, in an indoor show in March when it's gray and gloomy outside. So which is yeah, when, we can never lose that. We can never lose that. You're exactly right. Right, and which is why it was so important to have then. And and we're excited about hosting everybody outdoors. I think this is going to be a beautiful show, just as beautiful as as the indoor show. Um, has this great borrowed landscape and and the great tree canopies of of, of FDR Park. Um, it, it really will be a special experience. And also we have a lot more space to, to spread out um, and make this the, the, a safe show as well too. So we're really, really important to know that this show, we're gonna be doing everything we can to make everybody safe at this show so they can have a great experience just like they have at every other show. Just being outdoors is gonna make yep. everybody so relaxed. And one thing, I've played ball. I've played softball and hardball at uh, the Roosevelt Park. Right. And yep. I've had picnics there. We've had, I, I went to a wedding there. Um, but I didn't realize there were several historic buildings on yes. the property as well. Will they be incorporated into the show? So two, two will definitely be incorporated into this. The, the boathouse, which was part of the, the 150th celebration of this country, which was built there. It was, I think, called the Russian Tea Room when they did the event, but now it's the boathouse that overlooks the lakes down there. I know a lot of people in South Philadelphia call FDR Park the lakes. That's what they call uh -huh. it. That's their affectionate name because that's um, where they can go and actually fish and, 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 and be a part of that. Um, but this is uh, an area that will be part of the show and is incorporated in the show site. Um, we'll also have the um, American Swedish Historical Museum as part of this as well, which is a, gr a gorgeous building, a great museum. They have been amazing partners to work with us. Tracy and the team over there are, are opening up their doors during the flower show. So guests will be able to go see the museum um, and we'll have a few exhibits in there as well from a flower show standpoint. But uh, um, so that's uh, about 15-ish acres is what we're taking over for the flower show. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the park will be still open for your baseball games mike you can still play baseball softball soccer tennis um still happen while the flower show is going on okay talk to my orthopedic surgeon about the <laughs> ability of me to play baseball anymore he says if i throw <laughs> another ball with his reconstructed shoulder he's retiring if i had to throw out the first pitch at a ball game i might do a dr fauci i don't know <laughs> fdr park is such a great location not only for the beautiful aspects that i talked about and the architecture and the landscape but it is right in the heart of a huge amount of parking that's down in that area of south philadelphia the subway is right there all the things that you named for lincoln financial field are all right there is especially right there for for the fdr park and we couldn't be more excited to um, greet people and get them down there and it's that area is used to have Having a large, large amount of people and large amount of traffic, so should be easy to get around and find a parking spot for you. There's a lot of parking places there, so this should be should be a great location and a really great experience for everybody. Yeah, theoretically, uh, the Phillies might be playing at yes. that time, but we also don't know how many fans would be allowed, and they're certainly not going to be using the football stadium. Not, not at that time of year. No, absolutely. There, there's definitely a, a few baseball games that are scheduled during that frame. But what a great, great day! I think is go to the flower we, show during yeah. the day. Can we do our a flower show closes at seven o'clock, and then you can walk right across to Citizens Bank Park and see a Phillies game at the same day. Should oh, come do, on! We got a great, great all day experience. We got to do the Philly special double header. Come on! <laughs> absolutely, we could do the Philly Flower Show and the 
and the flower and the you know go see the Phillies play um, just like you can any other day, which we're excited about. And we're working with those teams, and and they've been amazing partners to work with us and welcome us down into that part of the uh, of Philadelphia. So. Um, we'll have a lot of fun things to talk about as with regards to parking and promotions as it gets closer to the show. And I'm presuming you and I will do something special in the central exhibit during the show. Absolutely, we'll give a tour just like we always do. You and your 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 folks um, who sign up during your uh, fundraisers and your your membership drives, we will definitely have a, a tour with you and I walking around and entertaining the folks. We the the, the Mike and Sam show is always pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. All right, Sam, get back to work. You got a lot to do, and we'll see you in June. All right, Mike, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everybody with itchy fingers that May is the month to not clean up your spring bulb greenery. Cut those green leaves before they turn brown, and your tulips, daffodils, and other spring beauties will not flower again next year. But don't go putting that weed whacker away just yet because we'll be right back with Mantis Madness and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural, organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we are in the stretch now, cats and kittens. Don't dare touch that dial or whatever you got on your device of choice because we're going to give you an education on the many manti that might be in your garden. You're gonna like this one. It took me a day to write it. It's coming up after a couple more of your fabulous phone calls. 888-492-9444. Dan, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, hello, thank you. How are you doing today? I am just Ducky. Thanks for asking, Dan. Ducky always appreciates getting into the show. How is Dan doing? Uh, I'm I'm Ducky myself, especially Ducky as a University of Oregon alumni. So I'm oh. doing great. Okay, very good. Um, and where is Dan located now? Dan is in transit from uh, Salem, Oregon, back to his home in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, okay, that's up there in Idaho, huh? Yeah, yeah, northern Idaho. Yeah. Um, and I lament the short growing season, but I. Yeah, it's a nice place to live. That's that's my understanding. Um, okay, so what can we do for Dan of Idaho? My my question is about seedlings and and how to deal with uh, having too many of them. Essentially, I put two seeds in every seed start that I started this about a month ago, um, and as they germinate. I've been successful, and I've had multiple seedlings come up, mm-hmm. um, and just looking for best practices for for how to deal with that. Okay, so you got two options. You can a- either take a little pair of scissors, like cuticle scissors, and go into each cell, so to speak, each growing area, decide which plant you like the best. Sometimes it's the tallest, but not if it's leggy. 
So you have to decide which one you like. Um, even the same plant grows at different rates. So if you've got one that seems to be a week further along, you keep that one and you, quote, thin out the rest. And yes, this is heartbreaking. This is difficult. You can cry for many nights afterwards, <clears throat> but it's what the pros do. If you are an experienced seed starter and you have friends with gardens, uh, and you have two absolutely beautiful, say, tomato plants, which really take to being separated very well. Um, you just empty that container out, lift up one of them, put it back in, fill the dirt over the top, and then plant the other one in a different container. So it's, it's really up to your needs and your ability to give away extras. Um, I personally do not use skizzers. I don't thin that way. I can't stand the emotional destruction it has on my heart and soul. So what I do is I just right. keep, you know, you don't have to start more. You just move plants around and you get more and more. And then when the season is almost ready to be open, email all your friends. Put something up on Facebook. Tell them I got extras of this, that, and that. And it's my pleasure to give them to you. And if not enough people go for it, I'd like to have the extras on hand. Excuse me. And if you don't have enough people to give them away to, and you got some extras on hand, I'd like to keep those in a separate but sunny location to use as my, quote, stunt plants. Should anything happen to the existing plants, you bring the stunt man in. And that way you're set throughout this. I like it. Yeah, exactly. They're your backdoor plants. They're there if you need them. And um, a lot of times, uh, peppers, tomatoes, I'll get little fruits off them. It's, it's fun. Um, and I don't have to worry if they die or not because I didn't need them. Okay. Yeah, space is probably at a premium for me. Do, we, do you have a second for one, one other quick question? What is it? So I, I got some compost from the local uh, water waste treatment facility. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh is this biosolids? Yes. Is this biosolids? Bio we emailed. I do not want to talk to you about that yes. now, but I do want you to call in again okay. next week. Okay? Because we're really short on time, and that's a subject that doesn't need to be, that does need some time to discuss. And this is an actual real invite. And so when you transplant, when you move these plants around, don't be afraid because they are your extras. And if anything happens to them, if you're a little ham-handed that day, you didn't need it. So don't worry. Uh, yeah. Although if you are a compulsive warrior, get the scissors out. Okay, man? <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for the information. And uh, looking forward to, to speaking again sometime. Yes, sir. Anytime. Give us a call. Bye-bye, <laughs> Dan. All right. Thank you. Yes, it's that time again, cats and kittens. Time for the question of the week, which we're calling Praying Mantis, Garden Fiend or Friend. Linda in Pennington, New Jersey, originally wrote, I found some galls on my butterfly bush and spice bushes and sent a photo. Are they good, bad, or what? They're the size of a cherry tomato and have a little glossy coat. I would like to know what they are and if I should destroy them or be glad they're here. 
To which I replied, they're praying mantis egg cases. I would be happy that you have them. A few days later, Linda wrote back, when you said praying mantis egg cases, I was happy. But my daughter sent me a link to a Facebook page that identified them as non-native Chinese praying mantis egg cases. The Chinese praying mantis consumes native pollinators, butterflies, and native mantises. So now I'm going on a hunt to get rid of them. <laughs> Linda, that was your email on our Facebook page. The photo you sent of the egg case was great, and the post itself created a storm of controversy. 133 likes and 25 comments, which ranged from destroy them to don't kill them. So before I delve into this issue, I submit hereby my definition of garden insects. The beneficial insect, one that only eats garden pests, often a very specific pest, like green lacewings feeding on aphids. The predator will eat anything it can catch. A good example outside of our topic is the large group of mini wasps that lay their eggs inside of live caterpillars. They're just as apt to target a larval butterfly as a nasty pest like the tomato hornworm. And finally, pest insects. Those are the ones in your garden right now. Although often touted as beneficial, the various groups of mantises around the world are all predators, like spiders. But nobody I know buys mail-order spiders, while a lot of gardeners do buy mantis egg clusters, which may be of the larger and hardier Chinese variety, which have been imported for pest control for well over a century. Other gardeners seek out and destroy the egg clusters of the Chinese mantis. Some say it's because they are endangering the smaller Native American Carolina mantis. Others note that the Chinese mantis has been known to prey on hummingbirds, native bees, butterflies, and small amphibians. Well, guess what? So will any other mantis if they get the chance. So let's review the three different species you might find in your garden. We begin with the European mantis, said to have arrived in a shipment of plants in 1899. The old world mantis, Mantis religiosa, receives only praise from the University of Delaware's celebrated bug man, Dr. Michael Rapp who notes that these European manti seem to have a distinct appetite for the nasty stink bug. He also notes that in his garden, the manti love to eat the milkweed bug that ravages the only host plant for monarch butterfly babies. Ah, but they even leave the monarch caterpillars alone. The European mantis is widespread on the East Coast and up into Canada, around three inches long, female is slightly larger, and comes in a vast array of different colors. Note, the Brandywine Conservancy, who have issued what is probably the biggest thumbs down on the Asian mantis, says that the European mantis was deliberately introduced to control gypsy moth caterpillars and that the Chinese variety came here accidentally. <sighs> Go figure. Now, 
we move on to the other non-native species, the dreaded Chinese mantis, whose scientific name I will not try to pronounce on the show. Go read the written one. Despite being described by non-fans as only slightly smaller than Godzilla, the females, always bigger than the males, are about four inches long. While some sources disagree, it seems very likely that they were imported here as pest control. Yes, they will eat tiny little birds, but big birds love to eat them, as do bats when the manti fly by night. And finally, we have our very own Carolina mantis, so named because it was first seen in the Carolinas, but is now found almost everywhere in the continental US, Canada, and south to Brazil. It is slightly smaller than the others at two and a half inches long, and it changes color when it molts to try and match the colors in its hunting ground. And now, drum roll. Can I get a drum roll? Can I get a witness? Something, anything. The really big news. The Carolina mantis, despite what you may have heard, is not an endangered species, nor is it even threatened. In fact, none of the roughly 200 species of manti found in North America are in any trouble. They are alpha predators, after all. Despite many hours of searching, I could find no evidence that our scrappy little native guys are being devoured to extinction by giant Asian menaces. All I could find was hearsay and cage rattling. So I think you probably know where I stand on this issue. As with spiders, I enjoy the presence of manti in my garden, even though they are predators. And while I do urge you to read up on these fascinating creatures, especially to be able to identify them by their egg cases, uh, do that research with a grain of salt. Too many gardeners have a tendency to make lists of insects and plants they want you to destroy. And gardens should be about life, not killing everything you see. Oh, and it turns out that Carolina mantis egg cases are widely available for sale. So if you think they really are in trouble, raise a batch or two and even the odds. Well, that sure was a lot of info about the mantises of many continents, now wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read this one over at your leisure or your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to maim my manti if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at our brand new number. That's still kind of new. 888-492-9444. Send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse. Teaming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please include your location. Okay? And we're not talking kitchen or living room. You'll find all of this contact information at our website, youbetyourgarden.org. 
where you'll also find the answers to almost all of your garden questions. Audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, and our internationally renowned podcast. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. As you may remember from last week's thrilling episode, Mike McGrath was created when an entity from another world had him spin two giant carnival wheels, each with the markings of half a superpower that would be combined to turn Mike into a uniquely new superhero. Mike wound up with x-ray hearing and demanded new wheels with different words. This time, he got lavender kryptonite. That's the last we're going to hear about the wheels. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our sound engineer is always cheerful, Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Please check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. As you heard today, a lot goes on there. Tavia Minnick is our peerless princess of profound production. The always lovely Jonas Bowen is our audio editor. Judicious Jake Boyer does the video. Our directorial director of direction is the harassed and harried Javier Diaz. Andy Cummins is still taking our temperature at the door. Once the star of I Was a Teenage Frankenstein, Zach that Dak Wisniewski is in the haunted house. Ably assisted by the usual gang of idiots, including Eric Werner, Jacob Morris, Jeff Frederick, Carlin Canfield, and many more. Too expensive to mention. Terrifying Tim Fallon is still not our executive producer. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. I'd like to say something funny here, but I'm too busy planting more potatoes, hardening off my tomatoes, and looking for egg cases. And I hope that you'll be doing the same until I can see you again next week. You Bet Your Garden comes from Coast of Maine, creating organically approved gardening soils and plant foods for over 25 years. Part of Coast of Maine's mission is to be the most trusted partner to professionals and homeowners who believe that authentic, natural, and organic garden and lawn products play a critical role in the health of our communities and the living planet we share. Learn more at coastofmaine.com. What do maple trees and tomatoes have in common? 
I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next You Bet Your Garden, we'll discuss how the same soil-borne wilt can affect both plants and what you can do or can't do about it. Plus your dooby-dooby-doo phone calls. That's on the next You Bet Your Garden.